0: Time for the burnout again. He is the SEC network and ESPN Peter Burns. I am Ryan Brown. We are presented by mybookie.ag code next round. Mybookie.ag code next round to get that special sign-on bonus with your initial deposit. Burnsy, what is up, my friend? How are you
1: today? Don't forget Longhorn Network Peter Burns as well, too. Cause I was uh Do you hook him, Do you hook him. I is uh yeah, I had a good time in Austin. I mean, listen. It was it was weird not being on set for SEC Network because we had so many great games, but yeah. got a little bit of a sneak preview of uh, you know a future SEC squad, Brownie, and it was, I mean, a not only do they look like an SEC team, uh, they might be the best team in the country right now, but um, just the idea of of I mean, it's going to become everybody's favorite road trip, yep. you know, you know, uh, whenever Texas enters because I, I, a lot of times I think people love to go Vanderbilt. You know, because it's Nashville and it's a great city, but sometimes the game isn't great. Like, Austin will be the number one road trip for people going forward. So, I am uh, I was fired up for that. Um, And the great SEC rivalry, the Red River Shootout is
0: coming up this weekend. So, I'm excited for the Red River. Yeah. I, I think that is going to be such a cool addition, just that rivalry. Obviously, Texas and Oklahoma are a cool addition. But having that rivalry as an annual sec game is really really exciting to me
1: yeah and then and then getting a and m and texas back especially right now yeah. because i mean i know we're going to get into it but i mean what how AM is starting to kind of come together and and you know both of those teams definitely want the the upper hand when they get into uh into this conference so uh Fired up and you can barely hear my voice. It was a it was a long weekend for yelling at uh at LSU's defense and uh yelling uh, uh amongst uh the fans over there in the 5-1-2.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad you got to do that. That's pretty cool. And that Kansas team is a surprisingly good team. That was a good win by Texas. Like as they go into play Oklahoma this week. Yeah. Oklahoma has not been tested. You cannot say the same at Texas. They have come to Tuscaloosa and they won the game. I know Baylor is down, but you know, it's still a road trip in conference to a semi-difficult place to play, and I know people will turn their nose up at Kansas, that's a pretty good football team this year. I I think Texas, I would
1: have them number one. If I were an AP voter again this year, I would have Texas number one right now. I mean, especially now that Bama's starting to look a little bit better, right? And I think that was kind of the, hey, they were, you know, the litmus test of last year, like, oh, we're not that far away, but can we actually really beat Alabama, especially in T-Town? And, I mean, just the amount of, of what it does for your program when you beat an Alabama. Right. And I don't even right. know if we, we say that about Georgia yet. Of course, we haven't really seen them lose lately. But what it does when you beat Nick Saban, like the belief in uh, your quarterback play, the belief from the fan base, the belief from in the head coach, the belief of, hey, man, we actually we, we did it. We, we climbed the Saban Mountain. There's not a whole heck of a lot of guys that could say they could do that. So, uh, yeah, they're all in right now on Texas and uh, this weekend will be great. And next year is going to be even better.
0: Yeah, as we talk about our first topic here, the best, uh, the West best, who is the best in the West, I, I firmly believe having watched Alabama over the last couple of weeks and seeing a little evolution, that Texas win in Tuscaloosa is only going to increase in its value for them. I, I think by the end of the year, we're going to look back on that and say, dang, that, I mean, I guess right now the best win in the country is Ohio State going to Notre Dame, I guess. Um or maybe it is Texas going to Alabama. I don't know. You could argue I, think, those. I think at the end of the year, we'll know it is Texas going through Tuscaloosa.
1: Well, and I think, and let's start with Alabama, right? I mean, they they, they end up getting a, a pretty easy win against Mississippi State. And there's nothing easy about going into Starkville because, you know, the fans are going to be rabid. And, and Zach Barnett right. traditionally has the defense ready to rock and roll. But um, I, I thought with Alabama, they starting to look a whole lot more comfortable of not what they're trying to be, just they recognize who they are which I is a completely. defensive minded team. They're going to play. They're going to run the ball pretty well. They're not going to ask Jalen Milrow to to beat Tua or Bryce or even Mac Jones. And that's why you're going to see him. You're going to see Bryce. I mean, you're sorry, Bryce. You're going to see uh, Jalen with a bunch of probably 185 yard game, 225 yard games. But he's going to be able to you know use and move the change with his legs. And I, I think that Reese and Milrow are starting to kind of figure out okay, this is who we are five weeks into the season, and that's scary for everybody else.
0: So I'm glad to hear you say that because I know I'm not alone in thinking this, and I brought it up on our show today. It feels like Tommy Reese has gotten a grasp on how to call this offense now with the parts he has involved, right? He knows what they're not, and he knows what they are. And I'm going to play into what they are. I'm not going to play into what we're not, right? Okay. And then you got, I think, a championship level defense. Uh, it's a defense that, save yeah. one quarter of football against Texas has been locked down all season long.
1: Yeah. I mean, it kept, kept them in all those, uh, you know, I mean, it, it shut down. I mean, Lane Kiffin, we saw how good. Yep. You know, we thought LSU's defense was fairly good. I mean, I know the secondary was suspect, but we see what that offensive line and, and what Ole Miss offense is capable of when things click. And yep. Alabama was like, no, no. no, not super happening. Yep. Right, right. Yep. Like, yep. um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's a championship-level defense. It's basically um, not pedestrian, because there's nothing pedestrian about Milrow, but it's just a, an offense that's finding itself. And, again, go back and look at the championship run that he had you know, in 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 the last decade before all of the passing uh, numbers yeah. started going down. It's old school Alabama yeah. football like we thought it was going to be at, at media days. Except
0: with elite special teams now. Like, right. um, yeah. I don't, you know, I think it's a little bit of the 2009 formula mm-hmm. that Nick Saban had. Now, again, I'm not saying this team is going to win a national championship. That team did. I don't know that there's a Mark Ingram or a Trent Richardson back there. Um, but I think it's that formula where I've got an offense that's competent enough to stay out of my defense's way. Mm-hmm. i got a defense now, Peter, that is is keeping people from scoring. They're giving up 14 points a game, and they're scoring and leading two scores, right? They had a pick six against Mississippi right. State right before good. the half. Yeah. Right before the half, they set the offense up on the front porch for another touchdown to kind of close that game out before you even get to halftime. That's old-school Nick Saban football, and now you've added in elite special teams. Burnup is punting out of his mind right now, and he's having to do it a little bit more than Alabama wants. I know that. And you got a kicker in Riker that never misses. I mean, this there are elements here that you look at this team, and you're like, boy, if they could just maybe incrementally improve some on offense, they've got the elements they need to be a factor.
1: And when we talk about coaches and we talk about – I was talking about this with the the guys in the Longhorn Network about – developing players like what the hell does that really mean you know people say oh he's a great you know he, he develops his players well sometimes it's also kind of just developing your team and over the years not just in one season itself and I think that's the thing with Nick is like Nick always had had the best defensive lineman the best running backs the best offensive line but then you get the kicker and and for whatever reason it yep. just wasn't working all of a sudden he's like no we're gonna fix that we're gonna have the best of the best and now it no longer becomes kind of an internet meme uh, of like, oh, it's an Alabama kicker. What can they do? Well, you, you think they're going to be pretty damn good now. So he's developed. Um, and again, right now it's, it's scary about, hey, you had to make sure after the Ole Miss win was like, okay, but do we, is Lane and those guys really that good? And then to follow it up with just that dominant of a victory over Mississippi State you start getting a little bit of your mojo, a little bit of your swagger back, and a little bit of the brand that scares the hell out of everybody else, which is this joyless murder ball that Alabama is just going to come out there and and crush you no matter where the game is being played.
0: All right, now let's do LSU. So we've we've spent a lot of time on this show here on The Burnout talking about LSU. Um, Against Florida State, I was willing to say, okay, you know, it was a bad quarter of football. Against yeah. Arkansas, you and I talked about it. Against Arkansas, I'm like, you know, I never really felt like LSU was in danger. with their suit a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I can't excuse this one. I mean, I, I can't look at this one and just say, I'll write this off to something. That's just bad defense. It's what it is. It's bad defense. You gave up 700-plus yards.
1: You could not stop Ole Miss. It's just bad defense. And then late when Ole Miss needed to score fairly quickly late into that game, it wasn't like 40-yard passes. It was – I mean, yep. everybody was just wide open. And then Lane was just like, well, we're just going to run it. Like, you can't stop us right now running the ball. And then we I get know. eight, nine yards a clip, and you're like, what is happening? And, again, it, it is – it's just shocking right now uh, amongst LSU fans because you're like, we are – wasting arguably the best offense that we have seen, of course, since 2019, but quite possibly the second best offense in the history of LSU football is being wasted because the defense can't, you know, catch a nosebleed right now or or stop a nosebleed. I mean, it, it was out of control, and I've never seen something like that. I mean, to the fact of I never thought the days would be here, Brownie, where I would beg for a team to score against LSU so we could get the ball back quicker. I mean, and, and that's that's what's happening right now. I mean, they had to bring in Pete Jenkins, the old I know 82-year-old, you know, Yoda defensive line uh, master to come back in. Like, the man's been retired nine different times, and they can't <laughs> be like, Pete, like, if Pete <laughs> was that easy to call, why in the hell didn't they call him, like, from the I know. It, it, I know. It's like He's costing $7 million, and they can't afford it. Like, Pete, can you get over here? Like, all right, I'm coming. Like nope. Let's get over I got here. nothing to do.
0: Yeah. Uh, Unbelievable. But all that said, I mean, all of that said, to your offense's credit, to LSU's offense's credit, and, LSU, and Ole Miss couldn't stop LSU either, right. you still hit a receiver in the hands of the end zone to win the game, right? I mean, so if you're an LSU fan, you're like, well, at least there's that. But, man, I mean, you cannot ask your offense to do that game in, game out, and they've been doing that. And, I mean, the competition ain't going away. I mean, this is a tough schedule for them.
1: Well, and that's why, like, you know, we started the show today on SEC Network of was that Lane's marquee win? It was, yes. And and you think it is, right? But then again, I mean, ball hits the guy in the hands on the last play, he makes that catch. We're talking about Lane completely different, right? It's just yep. amazing about how one play changes. Everything. Like, remember Ryan Day in Notre Dame, and Ryan Day goes off on Lou Holtz because he said his team was wasn't soft. Well, if they don't get that fourth down conversion on the last second play of the game to score a rushing touchdown from the one against 10 Notre Dame players, Lou Holtz was right, right? Uh-huh. I mean, like, one play can completely change narratives, but it's one that Lane needed because had Lane let that one go, I'm sitting there going, well, it's just what lanes and Ole Miss are always going to be really fun um cool to talk about but they just can't win a game because they don't play complementary football and you get a win. Now the question is is all those other good wins that Lane had um they ended up not looking that good because everybody kind of fell apart and they were, you know, they were good on paper. I'm curious on whether or not this is a good on paper win against LSU right now.
0: All right, so we're going to talk uh <laughs> right there. That's where we're going to talk Alabama, Texas, and so we'll keep the AM discussion, if we can, to just the Arkansas game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max Johnson making his first start there, Bernsey. and uh, this is an Arkansas team that is 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 having trouble finding their way a little bit this year. They play without Rocket Sanders. Yeah. Um, a solid win. I mean, Max Johnson was far from perfect, but he also didn't get you beat.
1: Yeah, he actually. I thought he looked great right off the bat. Uh, yeah, he did. And, and and you know they kind of you know slipped a little bit there at the at the end of the game but they're starting fast. They're doing everything that honestly Georgia hadn't been able to do this season, which is, hey, first couple of plays, scripted plays, are you moving the ball and, and putting yourself in a, a position to succeed? And that's huge. Like we ran this stat today that was incredible. Over the last 20 years, AM is the first team in 20 years, two decades, to score on the first and second drive, at least points, right? Either a touchdown, uh, or a field goal in the first five games of the season like wow they haven't screwed up the script from the get-go and that's why they were asking about Bobby Petrino to bring and it just looks now I mean I understand that AM lost to Miami they just look comfortable and they look like a dangerous team and they really I mean they exposed how bad that offensive line was for Arkansas and that's that's tough man I mean I know Fayette, in Fayetteville they are They're upset about what's happening right now because their offensive line guru coach uh, doesn't have an offensive line. You know, that's that's tough to swallow right now. But I think that has a lot to say about what A and M brought in that game. And there's something about that game being played in Dallas that, you know, every single year just feels like A and M has Arkansas's number.
0: It does. That's one. Like we were talking about the Red River earlier. Mm -hmm. I want to see that game stay at the Cotton Bowl. I like that game in Dallas. I think it's really cool. Stay fair and all that. Right. Um, and I'm generally that is against type for me, Bernsey, because I am not a uh I am not a neutral site guy. That said, uh, I am very glad that I think it is next year is the last game that game's played in Dallas and they move it on campus. Am I right about that? So
1: uh I, yeah, there's something I can't remember yeah. about who is a designated home team and how many yeah. they have back. Because remember, somebody gets one because if I'm not mistaken, in 2020 because of COVID, right. they had to right. play that one on campus. Somebody somebody yeah. gets a return trip um up there and then it'll be back but yeah I, I think that game should be played on campus um but again i mean something to switch it up and you know i mean to see kj jefferson who i think is one of the more talented quarterbacks that we've seen in a while and such a likable guy for them to only have 174 yards of offense that's, yeah i mean and rocket sanders played, yeah you know, know. In that game it is it's stunning to say the least
0: Yeah, so uh, Arkansas is a team in a little bit of disarray. We're going to talk more about the West coming up with Alabama and Texas A&M in just a moment. It is the Burnout with Peter Burns of uh, SEC Network, ESPN, and Hook of Horns, the Longhorn Network as well. Oh, man, I'm way out of room The Hook of Horns, Longhorn Network. Uh, It is presented by MyBookie.ag, code next round. MyBookie.ag, code next round. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie.ag. And when you sign on and uh, get that first deposit, they will match it. With a special sign on bonus when you use code next round at mybookie.ag. Also, don't forget lanceslock.com. Lanceslock.com. Uh, he is coming off another weekend of winning football in both college Crazy. and the NFL. It is nuts. And uh, he's back at it again Monday night football. We got Wednesday night college games, Thursday night NFL and college, and then back to another weekend. He'll have it all right there at lanceslock.com. Daily packages. Uh, weekly packages, monthly, yearly, right there at lanceslock.com and use those plays at mybookie.ag, code next round. All right, uh, one West team we didn't talk about was Auburn because I wanted to save it to talk about Georgia here. Georgia and Kentucky are coming up. Before we get to this weekend's Georgia-Kentucky game, let's look back at Saturday's game, Auburn and Georgia. That was an impressive performance by the Auburn Tigers. I, I said, Bernsey, they were basically running a service academy offense, couldn't throw to save their life, but boy, they somehow found a way to run it on the Georgia Bulldogs enough that that came down to a clutch Georgia drive just to win at Jordan-Hare Stadium.
1: Yeah, a couple of takeaways on that one. Uh, You know, Georgia was kind of weird how slow they looked towards the edge, right? I mean, like up front and in the middle, they looked pretty stout, but the fact that Thorne was able to get out, you know, they just, they didn't, you know, it was just rare to see because it seems like they pursue so well and they just kind of look sluggish. And, And again, You know, Georgia to be the number one team in the country to be five weeks in and the point differential is zero in the first quarter against opponents. And they haven't played great opponents yet. It's just they keep getting off to these slow starts. But the credit I want to give to the people, and I say people plural, are the fans at Jordan Hare. Like, I mean, Nealon was fantastic. Oxford right I mean was unbelievable environment over on Saturday night Death Valley is always a great environment but I now truly understand that the biggest force multiplier as far as a home field advantage, yeah. is without a doubt at Jordan Hare like it was electric I would watch it and this is a day game and I'm thinking I got goosebumps just thinking about how loud like I want to be in that stadium right now and there's a lot of times where that Auburn team had not been good. You go back to last year with Cadillac and what that that whole place was like. This this weekend, it was incredible. And um, they. I, I, would, I think it's easy to say now that the biggest uh, amplifier as far as a home field advantage in the SEC resides down in the plains.
0: For those watching this that have never been, you can uh, take my word for it, I would hope. I have been to countless Iron Bowls and Auburn-Georgia games there. And I have always said, when it's a tight game, now if Auburn is bad or Georgia is bad or Alabama is bad, whatever, this doesn't play in. But if the team, if if teams are close, if this is a big game, and I've seen some big iron bowls there, right, right, it, it's easily worth seven, if not more. And these are, and I'm talking about like Georgia teams and Alabama teams that are composed everywhere else they play, right? Crowd doesn't bother them anywhere else, and they go to Jordan Hare, and it's just a different game. We talk, I mean, we, we,
1: we looked at it. We were surprised when you saw. Wait, why is the line only fourteen? Yeah, like, there you go. Auburn can't do anything. Georgia's defense has been great. They're gonna get it figured out. I mean, like, like, nope. Vegas always knows, buddy. Like, like yep. they, like they know. My bookie, they don't come out there and they just kind of guess on feelings and stuff That's like right. that. Like, there, yeah. there's a science to how they set that line because they, and more often than not, they're right.
0: That said, Georgia is a 14-point favorite over Kentucky this week. Uh, this game is in Athens. Yeah, The Cats coming off an extremely impressive win. Nobody was more impressive, I don't think. Alabama blew out state, but we've kind of seen that. Yeah. But what Kentucky did to Florida, a Florida team that we thought maybe was resurgent, Bernsey, after that Tennessee game, and Kentucky just smashed them in Lexington. That was so impressive what they did.
1: And I think it was the way they did it, right? Yep. Because the two things that I thought I knew about Florida, or what would scare you if you were a Wildcat fan, was Florida's D line's pretty good. And they're probably going to be able to stop the run. They're pretty physical, and two, they're going to be able to run the ball. They didn't weren't able to do either of those things, right? I mean, like I had Ray Davis on the show uh, this morning, and he is awesome, right? I mean, he had like yeah. 280 total yards and. You know, he said, hey, we saw some things on tape that we wanted to take it to them. And I thought that was interesting because sometimes you kind of get away from what we consider a team's strengths are. But Kentucky was like, F that, man. We're just going to run right at you. And if you could stop it, good. They couldn't stop it. And there had to be nothing more demoralizing than just being able to run it over and over and over again. And so it was really impressive. And the reason why I had picked Kentucky to beat Florida in that game is that I saw little things that they've worked on the last two or three weeks, and it felt like they got a little bit better each and every week. And I didn't feel like they had played their A game in Kentucky and Florida. That's a rivalry, man. For 31 years, Florida used to kind of pat them on the head and be like, oh, little brother, Kentucky. Not anymore, man. Three straight wins. And they, you know, Georgia's going to have a live one on their hands coming up uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, and and the the inclination would be to look at the Auburn box score and not dig deep in it and say, Hey, listen, now if Auburn can rush for two ten on Georgia, what's this yeah. Ray Davis cat going to do, man? I I I warn you to it's I a warn different you to
1: style though, right? That's it's right. Different. It is
0: a lot of those Auburn rush yards came from the quarterback position. In fact, sixty one on one play, yeah, um, came from Peyton Thorne. So, when you dig a little bit deeper, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think it was 20, uh, 21 carries or something like that for less than 100 yards from the running back.
1: Yeah. I mean, and it was it, more RPO and just right. kind yep. of, you know, yep. perimeter stuff. You know, Kentucky doesn't really play that. Kentucky's just going to be that's like, right. we're going to play, you know, smash mouth football. Yep. Can you do it? Great. If you stop us, you're just better than us. The thing is, though, I still don't think that we've seen Kentucky's A game, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the scary part about it. Like, I thought defensively they played pretty good. They run the ball extremely well. I still haven't seen that game that I think they're capable of where Devin Leary and, and Dane Key and Barry and Brown and, those, and, and, and Robinson, those guys, like, they get off as far as that wide receiver crew. So, uh, like I said, I, I actually think this is going to be a very good ball game coming up uh, on, on Saturday down in Athens.
0: So the winner of this game obviously has a leg up in the East. And if you look at the rest of the East right now, that is a devastating loss for Tennessee to lose Brew McCoy. Just a difficult Mm -hmm. injury to watch in real time. Uh, Tennessee goes on and wins handily over South Carolina. But moving forward, that loss of Brew McCoy, uh, it's going to be very difficult offensively for them to overcome that.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you lose him and, and we had coach Josh Heupel on our show this morning and he was just like, man, it's just so brutal. You could just tell too about some coaches, you know, Hey, this guy's injured next man up yeah. mentality. You just like, cause brew was exactly a guy that they needed in that, that, that class, to, you know, to kind of take that la- that big step last year. Uh, and then it, he was going to be the dude once Tillman and, and Hyatt went out. So um, yeah, that was brutal for them, but They also got Cooper Mays back, and I thought that was as good as their offensive line has looked all season long. Milton still made some bad throws in that game, and that's an opportunistic South Carolina defense. But, um, you know, they got pressure on Radler, made him throw a pick six. I still don't think Tennessee is as good as a Kentucky team. And then I kind of start wondering about what about uh, Missouri? I mean, Brady Cook and Luther Burden are, I mean, Luther Burden's the most exciting player in the SEC. There's no, there, there, it's no if-ands and buts about it. Like you tell me that I can watch one player in the SEC, I'm yeah. sure as hell telling you that it's going to be Luther Burden.
0: Uh, and if only this week he faced a defense that struggles against the pass. Oh wait, he does. And uh, that's I'm sorry to bring it back up, but no. I mean that is going again. I still trust that LSU brand, so I want to see Missouri do it. I know Kansas State was a good win for them, but yeah. you know they beat beaten Vandy. I mean, come on. If they can do it against the LSU, then all of a sudden you got my attention a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, and and drink knows it. He's he's gotta be aware of it, you know. And if I was drink, I would go full like Dan Lanning, Deion Sanders, and building up all the hype. Because guess what? If you lose this game, people are just gonna say, All yep. right, you know You're supposed to I, lose it. Yep. You lost you lost to LSU, but you win this game and you had called your shot, then you're like, Oh, okay, I'm I'm gonna pay attention. You know, right. and I think and I think Drink is smart enough to know that to where if he's feeling it, because remember, Dan Lanning was feeling it. He saw the film oh, against, Colorado really. yeah. against Oregon. He's like, bro, yeah. we're going to just smoke these guys. Yeah. Yeah. If Drink goes into this week and he's a little chatty, that goes to show you he knows something about that LSU game. And it's going to be what, 11 o'clock at Faroe, kind of a yeah. kind of a similar
0: feel to Kentucky Sleepy. in yeah. Florida was. Yep. Yeah. Uh, You know how Dan Lanning knew it as he invited the ABC cameras in the locker room for the pregame speech where he takes shots at Colorado. Yeah. A a coach does not do that if they don't watch film and think we're winning this football game.
1: Although I do, again, I've told you this before, I want all of the the excerpts from guys who talk trash and then it doesn't work out. Oh, I know. I I just want to see those like, well, that was a great speech. And then, and the narrator comes in. And it's like, and but they lost forty. Yes,
0: <laughs> but the game was played. Yeah, but the game was. Played. Uh, yeah, you knew Lanning, though. You knew he was feeling it when he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on in here, and, and yeah. y'all roll on the part where I'm taking shots directly at Colorado.
1: I mean, right? He smiled after that fake yeah. punt, yeah. You know, and he was all like, "They knew, yeah. like it was." Yeah, like- they do.
0: They do. Uh, it is the burnout. He is the SEC Network and ESPN's Peter Burns. I'm Ryan Brown. Is presented each week by mybookie.ag code next round when you sign up at mybookie.ag is important because they got that special sign on bonus you make your initial deposit they've got a special match for you when you use code next round as a thank you uh, to the next round audience and we appreciate you supporting them bet anything anytime anywhere with mybookie.ag all the games with uh, major league baseball postseason and all of that at mybookie.ag also our friends at roback you see Burnsy supporting that Roback hoodie they're the softest hoodies in the world burns i mean it's like wearing uh it's almost like wearing a bathrobe, right? It's the comfort no, of a bathrobe.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like, I've, I've gotten to the point where I'm just like, if I can go anywhere with them, I even brought this on the plane. Cause it's like perfect. Cause sometimes it's cold on the plane. So I bought the rowback back on the plane all over to Austin. And yeah. even when I got out, I'm like, it's a hundred degrees. I'm like, it's still like just so freaking comfortable that I end up. still wearing it.
0: I know Uh TNR 20 at checkout on your first purchase there. We'll save you 20% at roback.com. All the golf shirts, uh, the quarter zips, the hoodies that Burnsy has, Roback.com, TNR20 to check out to save 20%. All right, let's talk about Alabama and Texas A&M. Biggest game in the West uh, to date, and it is coming up Saturday, 2.30, CBS, there in College Station. Have you made it to a midnight yell? Uh, I know that's the title of this uh, section here. I don't know if you've – I've never been to one. I don't know. Back, back in the day. day. Back
1: when I lived in San Antonio, I went once oh, okay. on a Friday yeah. night, and it was back. I mean, back back before you know, they it would have this big bonfire before the Texas game and right. stuff like that as well too. But um, it's it's cultish, but it's everything <laughs> that A and M football is right, yeah. and it's something that's that's unique. And this is this is a. Unbelievable game. I, I I saw that. What I think uh, the line is two and a half points.
0: Yeah, two and a half for three. I think it opened at four and maybe has been bet down a little bit. When I last checked at mybookie.ag, I saw it at three, but I've heard it's two and a half as well. So uh, it looks like the general public
1: likes Texas AM here. So let's go through this. Okay. Where right now, from an Alabama's perspective, do you say we clearly have the advantage? I, head coach. I mean, oh, yes, he's, absolutely, he's, he yeah. always will win that. Yep. yep. Um, where else? I mean, maybe defensive back uh, to a yeah, certain I mean, Yeah,
0: yeah. And that's something, you know, when we were talking about Alabama's defense earlier, um, nobody's throwing at Kool-Aid McHenry. It's like he doesn't exist. You, right. you watch an entire game, you forget he's even out there. Everybody, everybody is throwing to the other side. So, I mean, when you've got a player like that, I mean, it's, that's got to be that's got to be advantage, and I think the whole secondary too. Like, I think Malachi Moore has turned into a tremendous player. Yep. Caleb Downs does not look like a freshman out there. He baited Will Rogers, an experienced quarterback, into a terrible pick late in that yep. game. Um, so, I would say secondary Alabama.
1: All right, but you give it to head coach and secondary to Alabama. Yep. Outside of that, I think you go defensive front seven. I think you talk about even just the yep. linebacker crew. I'm probably end up going to take Aggies as being a little bit more dominant. Okay. Yep. Uh offensive line. I'm actually gonna go with Alabama's offensive yep. line. I
0: think it's getting better too, Yeah, I think it is improving. So yeah, I think I would go Alabama offensive line there.
1: Uh no, I see. I w- I would actually probably take AM's offensive line. Okay. I, would, All right. I, I think it's just right up there. Okay. So yeah. I would say okay. that it's not a, an easy um uh, nod to Alabama, but I do admit they're getting better. I still like Alabama or A and M's offensive line a okay. little bit. So right. I would take A uh, and M's defensive front seven. I yep. would take A and M's offensive line. Okay. I would take A and M's play caller in Petrino. Oh yeah, I would yeah, yeah take A yeah. and M's running backs between Moss and Isaiah Smith um, in there. Sometimes I would take the wide receiver playmakers. Yep. And I'd probably take the passing attack of Max Johnson over Jalen Milrow. And I'm probably taking, of course, a home field advantage at Kyle Field of hundred thousand plus as opposed to being on the road. So, I mean, there's a whole hell of a lot of factors that make me want to take A&M in this ballgame. Yeah. I mean,
0: when you stack it up that way, there's no doubt a game like this probably comes down to turnovers and Alabama has done a good job creating turnovers, but they've also been a bit, a little loose with the football Uh, Jalen Milrow did not throw that interception this past week though. Now state has not stopped anybody through the air, but, uh, I, I think a game like this often, if, if, when, when you lay it out the way you just laid it out, I would say nine times out of 10, you could tell me turnovers and I could tell you who won the game.
1: Yeah. And, and, and those can be fluky as, as we know, but I mean, for those who just think that, well, I mean. It's Alabama and it's AM. I mean, we have seen with an inferior team, AM did be able to pull off the upset, which probably saved Jimbo or bought him a little bit grace. Yeah. You know, things are going bad. But this is a, a a team that legitimately I think matches up extremely well. And I actually think AM is the most complete team. And I consider Georgia in this conversation as well, is top to bottom. If you tell me if a team is fired on all cylinders. I don't know if I'm not taking A&M, especially over Alabama, but even over Georgia right now, now believe it or not.
0: Interestingly enough, Jalen Milrow actually has a start against a already. It was his only start coming into the year uh, when Bryce Young was out injured. Don't know if that helps or hurts. He didn't perform particularly well. He turned it yeah. over a couple of times. Alabama darn near lost the game and Brian Denny. Um, but It may help. Or, I don't know if it helps or hurts or even matters. Yeah, But
1: for now, either side, the thing, for either yeah, the thing, that matter. I, yeah, I don't know how much that is because it's just a, such a completely different animal, Brownie, yep. about, you know, being on the road. But where A&M got hurt against Miami was because Van Dyke could just sit in the pocket for a while. Right. And they yep. had unbelievable wide receivers and they just kept throwing the ball. And I mean, Van Dyke was awesome in that game. Yeah. I don't know if that's the style of fight that Tommy Reese wants to get in with Jalen Milrow and yeah. on the road. I don't think so. I think it's more of like, hey, you know, buckle up the chin strap. We're, I mean, we are in for trench warfare here. And I think that actually helps Texas A&M if it becomes that type of game.
0: Yeah, you. there are several ways you can slow down a pass rush for Alabama. One way to do it is you either force them to devote a player as a spy to Milrow which takes a guy out of the pass rush game and the pass yeah. defense game, right? Right. Um, and Or, you know, you got some cold runs that slow that pass rush down a little bit because if they're successful, he's breaking off 10, 15 yards, you're going to say, okay, all right, we can't devote everybody to the pass rush, you know, and that gets you back in the spy conversation. So I do think that's critical for Alabama in this game and for AM to try to stop is how do you deal with Milroe early if you are AM and and if you're Alabama, what kind of plays are you calling for him? That's one criticism Reese has gotten. Is he hasn't yeah. called enough designed runs for Jalen
1: Milroe? Uh, and maybe they're saving that for the right times. And oh, no. yeah. this will definitely be one of those games because I think the West ends up being one. It, it, you know, whoever wins in Kyle Field this weekend, and you'll probably see a lot of screen passes as well too. I thought yeah. Reese is trying to do a good job of getting, you know, not making him make two or three different reads in a, in, in there. Just be like, hey, let's get this to a playmaker on the outside. Let's move the chains. Let's get you feeling comfortable early. And I mean, a credit to Reese for building it, but. Again, I, I there's too many ways. I, I think A&M beats Alabama this week. Okay. I, there's too many ways that I see that the Aggies have an advantage, and I think that they, they, they feel like this is a game that the, the style is going to be perfect for their style of fight.
0: Yep. 230 CBS for the top of the West right now. I think it's going to be a wild division, but certainly the winner of this game has got the leg up over everybody else in the division. Um, with uh, with this game behind them. So it uh, should be a fun game, 230CBS from College Station. Uh, a great story coming up on the Ryder Cup. We're not going to spend much time talking about the U.S. crapping the bed again in uh, Europe because we've seen it time and time again. Whew. But Bernsey has an amazing story to tell. Uh, the Burnout is presented by mybookie.ag. Code next round when you sign on at mybookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus uh, that will match your first deposit right there at mybookie.ag. Get that sign-on bonus when you use code next round. Code next round at mybookie.ag. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag, code next round. You need some games to play there. Lance Taylor has been on fire at lanceslock.com. He's given plays by units this year, so you can make your decision on what you want to play there at mybookie.ag. He's up uh, big in college football. You can get on board now with daily packages, weekly packages, monthly, season-long packages. lanceslock.com, Major League Baseball in the postseason. Lance has told you himself – the end of the regular season, so hard to handicap, but here we are in the postseason now. He'll get back on that. Lanceslock.com and mybookie.ag code next round. All right, just real quick. I mean, not a surprise. Uh, this, this this Ryder Cup was over Friday. I mean, we couldn't yeah. even get to the weekend, Bernsey, with this thing having any entry because you said Jordan Hare Stadium, we were talking about it being worth a touchdown. Uh, 14 and a half or 14 points needed, depending on whether you have the cup or not, to win the Ryder Cup. I would say playing in Europe is worth four or five points for the European team.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's been what 30 years as we won on their yep. soil soil. Yep. And uh, it just, again, game golf is such a game of confidence, right? And so when any of that gets shattered just a little bit, uh, you know, it's such, such a huge fraction. Um, you know, that, that 1%, 2% against the best players in the world is a big difference maker. And, you know, we saw Justin Thomas play pretty good, right? I don't think he yep. like embarrassed himself being out no, there. No, at all. Kind of,
0: he was one. playing by himself
1: a lot because Spieth was awful. Spieth was 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 terrible in that yeah. one. Um, and I think that the biggest takeaway just from the Ryder Cup in general is the fact that like the Europeans over there, it, it's everything to them. It is it's crazy because you're talking about guys from different countries. They're not playing for their individual country. They're playing for team Europe, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to we're Americans playing for one flag, like one country. It's it's USA. And I think it goes to show you two things. One, the importance of junior golf match play. Like the Europeans play a ton of match play growing up. They do a lot of that. In the United States, we do very little of it. We do it for the SEC golf championship yep. final, but it's a lot of individual uh, stuff in American golf. I think that hurts us kind of growing up. Uh, and the other thing, too, is the fact that, you know, we just don't have that camaraderie, you know, and I think that's, I mean, those guys love each other. over. They do. And that's I'm not great. saying um, that the Americans are, have a bunch of beef and they don't like each other, but it's just more individual accolades rather than the team aspect of it.
0: All right, so you attended a Ryder Cup. This was the one at Whistling Straits. Am I right about that?
1: No, it's Hazeltine, 2016. Hazeltine, okay, okay 2016, 2016, Hazeltine.
0: The yes. United States wins. The Sunday is widely regarded as one of the most entertaining Sundays. Right. Uh, Phil Mickelson and Sergio Garcia had one of the greatest singles matches we've right. ever seen. Very entertaining Sunday, and you were there for it. I am going to, as much as
1: I can, get out of the way and let you tell the story. I've heard this story before multiple times. It really is incredible. Um, so we had a, uh, a friend of mine, uh, who, who shall remain nameless, uh, on this podcast said, Hey, why don't you come up to team and we can get a, find a way to be inside the ropes for the final day of the Ryder cup. I'm like, hell yeah. I'm, I'm in. Here. Okay. I'm- so fly up there. We're inside the ropes. It's great. We're just having a great time. And one of the guys we meet is, um, was a pilot, a former pilot for Phil, uh, Phil Mickelson. So he's like, hey, man, if if we win this thing, you got to come over to the team uh, hotel. It'll be just the greatest party in the history of the world. We're like, well, hell yeah, we'll want to do that. Right. So we see this incredible day of golf. The Americans win unbelievable matches all day long. So we go back, we shower up, we head out and it's a Radisson hotel. okay, in in Minneapolis. So we and that's where the European team and the American team are staying. So. We get in like through this some side door, you know, that's kind of like cre- it's creaked, creaked, o- creaked open, right? So we're there, and it's this huge lobby, and some of the players are milling around. You see some family members because it's a private, you know, they've they've blocked it all off. But we got in, and so we notice that there's like a room, like over on the other side, where all the players kind of keep ducking into, and it, and that's where you can see like a DJ's playing and everything. Right. I'm like, that's the party we need to sneak into. So me and my buddy there for about an hour. We're just hanging around, and and we're like, you know what? We're not going to get into that party. We're texting our guy. He's not answering. Like it is what it is. Okay. So we start walking down the stairs to get out, and I see the European team room is open. So we're like, I mean, we've had twenty cocktails at this time. We're like, screw it. So we just walk in. And we walk in and there's Sergio playing ping pong and there's Harrington and there's Darren Clark and they're all singing and Lee Westwood is absolutely hammered. And we're like, dude, are we, we're actually snuck into the European room. Like, this is awesome. We thought they would be despondent Brownie. And they're like, they're having the greatest chanting party. They're just awesome. So we start helping ourselves at the bar drinking more. Like, why not? What are they going to do? Kick us out now? So finally we're just like, bro, it's, it's 1 a.m. I got to go. I got a flight home tomorrow. Let's get out of here. So we start going out of the door, and I notice there's like a little, like an arrow, okay, at the bottom of the floor. And I'm like, let's just follow this. I mean, why not? Screw it. It's been a crazy night.
0: It's there for a reason, right? They put an arrow there for a reason.
1: Yeah. There's got to be a reason. So we go yeah. through the side door, then it leads us through the kitchen, then into an elevator. We punch the, I mean, it is like out of a mafia movie, right? So we're like, dude, this might be the way to that private USA party. Like, Holy crap. I think we're going to do this. As soon as we walk up, we get off the elevator. There's a security guard there. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are y'all doing? What are you doing? And I'm like, oh, sorry, man. I guess we got lost. And he goes, you need to go that way. Okay. I'm like, "Uh, yes, sir. Well, come to find out, he had no idea who we were. He thought we were members of the European Ryder Cup team. And he (laughs) was told, Brownie, if you come off this elevator, tell them to go into this room, which was the private party. Right. So he we were like European. I mean, we look like golfers. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so sure enough, we get in. The first person we bump into is Tiger Woods. Oh, my and God. He's there. He's, we're in this party. There's a DJ playing. Um, I mean, it is just absolutely. I've never seen so many people that are just hammered beyond their, their, their gourd. So this is where it gets really interesting. So really quick. So right as we get there. A pl- like the person in charge of the Ryder Cup comes into this, clear out the room, everybody out of the room right now. We're like, okay. He's like, if you're not a player, get out of this room. We're like, dude, we just snuck into this thing like five minutes ago. Right, right. So me and my buddy are like behind like a partition in the back, like uh, don't say anything, we're going to get kicked out. They kick everybody out of the room except the players on the team. In comes Darren Clark and he gives the concession speech for the European team. He right. goes, guys, I we'll let you know. This is what the Ryder Cup is all about. Uh, you know, it was a hard-fought victory, but this is what the game of golf is personified. It was cla- – I mean, I'm like almost in tears, right? So it's just the Ryder Cup team, the captains, and me and my buddy overhearing Darren Clark, and we're like, oh, my God, do not move, okay? So finally, they, that happens. They they let everybody kind of in this room, and here is my fi- my favorite picture of all time. It'll be just one second there. So what that picture was, a picture of Jordan Spieth, Jimmy Walker, Lee Westwood, and Tiger Woods, okay? Lee Westwood comes in, and he has had some cocktails, my buddy. He is feeling it. <laughs> hey, where's Tiger at? <laughs> Where, where's bloody Tiger Woods at? I mean, just conv- – and we're like, oh, my God, there's going to be a fight, right? What is going to happen? And he goes, Tiger, you're lucky you didn't play this week. I would have whooped your fucking butt, you know, and we're like, Oh, my God. Like, this is furious. Like, and everybody's just stopped. And then Tiger starts pointing a finger at Lee, and he goes, Lee, I'm injured right now. This is 2016. When I come back, I'm going to absolutely wax your ass on the golf course, right? I mean, they are going back and forth and at it. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're about to fight. And then finally, to break the, the, the break, the, the whole thing, Lee says, you know what, mate? I'm just messing with you. He grabs Tiger Woods by the back of the head and French kisses him. I swear on everything that is holy in life, I saw Lee Westwood give Tiger Woods a French kiss. It was the craziest thing. Like, Jordan Spieth falls on the ground. Ricky Fowler's like, what is happening right now? Mickelson's like, what in the world? And then they end up having a good time. It was, again, to this day, the the wildest. um, I should not have been there. And the wildest uh, party I've ever been involved in. Yep
0: independently i've confirmed this story the friend he has not named is a mutual friend of mine and peter's and after peter told me the story i was like dude is this really like, oh yeah 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 it's totally real thank you it's so, so not that i didn't trust you bernsey it's just an incredible story i don't
1: trust myself even after i t- after i tell the story i'm like did that really happen and it literally was the text to our buddies the next day and i'm like did we just did we did see we what just, think yeah. we saw and they're like yeah we also overheard a conversation of tiger Hearing Phil Mickelson tell somebody that Mickelson thought he played the greatest round in the history of golf that day. I mean, it very, was
0: very all brand. Yes,
1: it was a uh, fig jam. Uh, I'm good. Yep. Just ask me.
0: That's right. Yep, yeah. that's the nickname for a reason. He's earned that one. Uh, all right, it is the burnout with Peter Burns. It's an incredible story. I love hearing him tell it. Uh, don't forget mybookie.ag code next round when you sign up. Uh, you make that deposit, you get a special sign on bonus with mybookie.ag. When you use code next round, bet anything, anytime, anywhere. Mybookie.ag code next round. Also, Lance'sLight.com for all your plays. Uh, he's heating up in baseball now with the postseason, but he's been red hot in football. You can get on board right now with Lance'sLight.com and Roback.com for the hoodies like Burnsie's wearing, the quarter zips, the golf shirts, all uh, at Roback.com. TNR twenty on your first purchase will save you twenty percent. All right, Bernsey, have a great week. It's always fun, buddy. See ya.